Well, good morning, good day, good evening. My name is Jill, and whenever you are listening to this, we are here at Jill's Journals Out Loud. And uh, I am recording this for Monday, March 13th, 2023, morning podcast. And uh, this is something that's so important, and I wanted to record it in super high quality and Every single microphone I have is not working except for the little stupid one that I plug into the phone. So again, I apologize for the poor quality and hopefully you can grit through it and capture the message and someday I might get my you-know-what together. So we're going to take a deep breath. Uh, You can see from the title, uh, I have thrown some words out, maker, producer, protector, and parasite. What is the role of the wired for danger person? And, you know, we spent quite a bit of time uh, talking about the idea of psychopathy and who runs things and why, you know, what the energy systems behind all that is. And, you know, we mentioned that it's a parasitic process. But I've been thinking a lot about not quote unquote, how to solve every single problem, but which version of the world do I want to participate in and build new, although nothing is new, we're just recreating old wheels, but what do I want to be a part of versus just complaining about what's being done all around us? And, you know, right now it's Sunday, uh, we are at the brink of what could be an intentional Uh, financial crash to freak us all out and move us ever closer to the uh, central bank digital currency, CBDC. And uh, for those of you who don't know, that was signed into law to be effect on December 13th, 2022. Pretty much everything is ready to go, but it's not an overnight quick one day we have dollars, the next day we have digital. So uh, there's a lot of different variations about what to expect. But the bottom line is, whatever happens, if we go all digital, then we no longer have any privacy. We do not have the luxury of having any kind of financial exchange that is not monitored in some way, shape, or form. And, you know, at the core of that is this idea that we've been in the West, especially America, for so long, it's all about making money. Not everybody. Clearly, I'm not all about making money. A lot of us, we just want to help people. There's all kinds of us who, you know, have professions that we're passionate about. Uh, I remember listening to a lady who was a poet, and she, you know, didn't have things to eat. She was out in the forest because she was so committed to her poet process. And so, It's not everybody, but there's sort of an underlying belief system that if you have a lot of money, you're successful. And the point of being uh, functional out in the world is to make money because money is, at the end of the day, just an exchange system. But we've sort of morphed into this process of the love of money versus what money can do with love. And... We are going to be tasked with facing that process again. And I, you know, have spent uh, quite a bit of time telling you guys and also thinking about uh, what can I do in an offline world because uh, I'm hoping that they don't do some kind of cyber attack. I don't think that that will happen because it would be too dismantling for everybody. I think just freaking people out about money 
especially people who have a, a lot of it, is enough to destabilize things temporarily while they continue marching along their merry little way trying to gain control. And, you know, the model that they are trying, they, that they, people who have the most uh, power in our system today are the ones that have the most money. And their goal is to recreate the oldest form of uh, global processes when it comes to energy exchange is the feudal version, meaning few people have a lot and everybody else is just in survival mode. And, You know, for those of us who have popped off the grid or, you know, thinking about things, uh, we're, you know, floating those words barter and trade and uh, cash and carry, you know, things like that uh, within because most of us who tend to buck the system will not be taking the digital dollar. And so we will have to adjust to a world where we may not be able to just go in and buy what we need. So there's a lot of uncertainty about when or if Uh, These things are going to come down the the path. But the other concept that I love hearing about is what they call a parallel economy. So instead of waiting for everything to crash and burn out, uh, people are actively beginning to create and build parallel economies, meaning they're networking and they're putting their services and goods together in such a way that they can bypass any kind of system. Now, if things go like full on, you know, martial law, road warrior, it won't be that simple. But we can't not do anything because we're afraid of what will happen. Uh, You know, we must march on and do something if we really want to participate in being part of uh, what we want versus fighting against or complaining about what we don't want. So with that in mind, uh, I've been trying to imagine what is the role of the Wired for Danger person, man or woman, Uh, You know, we have a specific set of skills and we have a specific nervous system, which unfortunately has been mostly utilized for war as soldiers and enforcement when there's not a time of war. And the people that are most utilizing that class are the parasitic class. And those are the people who are not producing or making or protecting anyone or anything. They are living off of those who make things, produce things, and protect things. And so, you know, I've kind of divided it into four basic categories because the reality is, is if you are wired in such a way, you will not probably make a very good farmer. You know, I talked about that with the whole concept of the ADHD is the the hunter-gatherer versus the farmer, you know, the ADHD brain. But, you know, anybody who likes risk and likes to, you know, t- uh, travel or be mobile or uh, change things up a lot or be dangerous. You know, farming is just day in and day out. It's 365 days a year, you know, farming and ranching. Uh, and the people who do it love it. So I am not discrediting anything that I'm talking about, even the quote unquote parasitic class, because every single job choice uh, process, whatever you do, It isn't about what you do. It's simply asking and answering this one question. Are you pushing uh, humanity, animals, the earth, resources? Are you pushing down to get what you want? Or are you pushing up? 
right? So are you choosing to enforce to create a punitive penalty-based uh, enforcement or are you pushing up to rehabilitate, to educate, to uh, offer opportunity to become more? Are you pushing down by creating food that is crappy uh, and strips the land? Or are you pushing up to create quality nutrition and uh, restoration and healthy soil? And are you a doctor that is pushing down by prescribing uh, medications just because you're getting kickbacks or doing surgeries that you don't need to? Or are you pushing up by focusing on preventative care? And so if we can just strip everything down to this incredibly simple concept, are you pushing humanity and the earth and the animals into submission, which is the feudal system, right? Everybody must serve the few, or are you pushing up by creating opportunity and people are allowed to rise as high as they want uh, based on their ability to function? So there's no entitlement in the pushing up system. There's hands lifting up apprenticeships, uh, you know, micro loans, low, low interest loans, things like that. And there's pushing down, creating endless numbers of restrictions and permits and uh, rules and regulation preventing anybody and everybody from ever being able to do anything unless you're just the top tier that's getting a kickback because you don't pay taxes, but everybody else has to according to the rules that were written for you to not. And so we've created a system that is very, very pushed down. It's all about, you know, financial products that are, uh, you know, created off the back of people who have worked very hard their entire lives and are now getting completely, if you getting totally screwed, if I watched a documentary on the 401k process and I was horrified by the actual math to it all. And so, you know, most of us are just trying to earn a living and, so I want to go back to what I was kind of opening with is that we are we've been told, you know, that money will solve our problems. I'm having that conversation. Uh, we're told that a lot of money uh, means we're successful. But the other thing that we've been told is that if we have a lot of money, then we are someone who needs to demand respect because we accomplished a lot of money. And I heard a man uh, speaking recently who has a lot of money. He had a successful business, which you know, from my perspective, was built on a uh, manipulation of a principle, you know, creating insecurity in a certain group of people and profiting off that. He had a different interpretation. But because he has a lot of money, he was very authoritative about about how his, what he thought and what he believed about certain things was the absolute right thing. And he was explaining to the rest of us why he was superior in his knowledge because he was financially successful uh, for those of us who, you know, didn't quite, couldn't quite get there. And, and that has not always been true, right? We have, for the most part, understood that, you know, things were pretty futile, right? You just, you were born into a class of people, you did what your parents did, and everybody except a few tiny parasitic people at the top had to grow and create their own food source. There was no going to the grocery store anytime you were bored and you felt like eating something interesting. And so 
We are in such a bubble in which most of life has not existed, but we're about to hopefully have that bubble burst in some ways where we have to go back to being uh, full of integrity and self-respect and honor and all the positive shared values of regardless of what industry or career or things that you are doing. And all of that is based on this extremely simple push-pull-pause question. Are you pushing people up? Are you running away from all of it? Or are you frozen in the context of all of it, right? So you can either participate, you can observe, right? You can lead, follow, or get out the way. And there is no right or wrong about that, but I am particularly interested in this Wired for Danger group. And so I've been asking, what are we good at besides killing people or enforcing things for uh, men and women whose principles, or whatever they are, that we may not agree with, but we got a big fat paycheck, or we just happen to like to be violent, or we're good at killing people? You know, these are not good reasons to be part of the uh, darkness in the world. But the flip side to the parasitic class is if you do not have a counterbalancing force, it always takes over. And the the, the protectors become the enforcers when they get greedy, when they want power, then they want control, and they want to be special. And you see that in the corruption and police and the FBI and the armed services and all these weird perversions of what have always been incredibly honorable prove, uh, professions. And so I think, you know, probably more than anybody, not that you can't scam, you know, a lot of criminals have the wired for danger because it's a rush. So, you know, we tend to go into the light or into the dark, but we like the rush either side. And so we have a very important role in this world, but we also are moving along a very fine line from being protection to the innocents and the animals and the food and the delivery system. Uh, I think the healing profession is part of the protector class because you are lifting people up. Uh, I think teaching would be part of the maker class. Uh, you know, producing tends to be things like food, uh, animal ranching, things like that. Uh, makers tend to be carpenters, uh, craftsmen, skilled people, things like that. So it's not an absolute, but that's the way it's always been. And I, I don't speak about this in a reductionist kind of way. I think about it as trying to simplify the energy behind our choices and reevaluate why we're doing the things we're doing. What what care? I heard a great quote from uh, General Michael Flynn. I don't know if it was his or somebody else, but he says, "You know, when a country loses its character, uh, it loses the it loses liberty quickly after that. It, the loss of liberty is not far behind, right? And so, we used to be somebody." A country in America that was part was proud of who we are, and now we're just sort of a horrifying mess. And it's not we may not we can't turn it around, but we certainly can become something that we value and respect. Because the goal of all of this isn't to be rich and comfortable and safe in the absence of uh, being uh, somebody of honor, of having any kind of self respect, of having 
the idea that it isn't, they had this in Japan, I've talked about this before, Tom Peters, who was a uh, leadership person, he talked about it didn't matter which job you had in Japan, that you earned respect by the value and quality of the job you did. You know, returning to these basic principles, but asking ourselves, you know, are we pushing people down or are we pushing people up? You know, are we lifting up or are we shoving you down? Because we feel better when we're powerful. We feel better getting your money and being, you know, so smug. And it's so difficult, you know, to watch these financial people just decimate people. And these are psychopaths. They're just taking everybody's money that you've worked so hard for, right? And people are losing jobs. They're not getting paychecks. They're losing houses. They're losing cars. It's just the whole, what's happening right now is so horrifying, but it's also an opportunity for a paradigm shift. And, you know, one of the things that I try to look at with my own life is that, uh, I, to go through an experience makes it much easier for me to understand it and to talk about it. And, you know, and right now, you know, they're talking a lot about comparing uh, what's going to happen soon, possibly financially, as what happened in 2008. And uh, I don't know that I've talked about this in a while, but, you know, I lost everything. In 2007, I'm like, I'm going to start my own business. And I, you know, I got out of my job. I had a, you know, a little cash to get going. And right as I was starting to, you know, bring in money, then everything crashed. And I'm laughing because that's about what's ready to happen here, too. Uh, and I lost everything because I was a good rule follower. I kept paying my house. I kept paying my bills. I kept putting money out because like the thought of not following the rules of not being responsible, not honoring my commitments uh, was devastating to me till I got to a point where everything was gone. The house wasn't worth anything. All my money, all my 401k, everything was gone, right? I was down to nothing. And I had to make some decisions around that. And the most important thing I had to do though the most important decision was to just let go and move on because technically uh, I'd put enough money into my house to pay for the cost of the house. I hadn't put enough money to pay for the interest I was being charged for the, for the permission to borrow the money to buy the house. You know, hindsight, I would do everything so differently, but I didn't know, you know, I was, I didn't know about money. I still don't really understand it the way I should. I, so I was naive and I was part of the crowd. This is if you worked hard and you put money in your 401k and I had, you know, a house and two cars and everything was insured and I followed all the rules, right? And so when you do all this stuff, you were told that, you know, your house would be uh, your retirement. You'd have it paid off. You'd have a place to live. And all of that is just being wiped out. And I made the decision that... Much like a bad relationship I had with my loan on my house is I would either have to cut my losses and just move on. And, you know, at the time, what was so infuriating is, let's say, where I was living, you had a $100 house, $100,000 house. So if you'd paid $100,000 on the house you still weren't able to buy it from the bank. But the bank was turning around and selling that same house for like $10,000. And then I found out not only were they getting 
the money from the resale, that the banks were being compensated 95% of the total loan. So whatever you had, if you took out a $100,000 loan, they were the banks were being compensated $95,000. So they were not losing anything. The rest of us lost everything. And so, uh, you know, that was the beginning for me of trying to make a lot of different decisions and a lot of being nervous about money and debt. And if I don't own it, you know, not wanting it unless I own it, you know, I've been, I've made this, and I can't say it's the right decision, but, you know, those were the decisions I made sort of as a reaction to losing everything, you know, to having, I think my credit score was 830. I mean, I did everything right, and that's what happened to me, just like it happened to everybody else. And I don't blame everybody else. I just was not responsible, and that I, assumed, like everybody else did, if you follow the rules and you played the game the way it had been played for so long, the message, if you just get a house, you know, you put that as an investment, you'll be fine. Everything will be okay. But it's not anymore. And those days are very long and gone. And so taking a deep breath, part of moving forward is understanding we have to reevaluate what's valuable. Uh, is it our family? Is it our health? It is just eating quality food. Uh, is it having shelter? Uh, is it having simplicity? But you also have sanity. Uh, you know, one of the great takeaways from my experience in this process is my overhead is so low. Now, I don't recommend this to anybody, but because when I was still in the house, you know, it was a two to $3,000 a month, uh, all my bills, right? The house payment, you know, utilities, health insurance, all those things, you know, it was between two and 3,000. I don't remember exactly what it was. I just remember it was a lot to not have any money coming in, figuring out how I was going to cover that. And, and so part of my intentional process was, how can I live with less? And I, I mean, if people understood how little money, you know, I live off of, they would, my mom's always like, you should write a book. But, you know, my philosophy was, you know, the absolute horrific worst case scenario is I can get by like on a hundred dollars a month, you know, for food and water and gas. Uh, you know, I can chop wood, I can, uh, you know, do some other things. And, you can scrape that up by just asking, right? You know, can I borrow 20 bucks or whatever? So there's been in the past, you know, there's been comfort for me in understanding. It wasn't, you know, making the money that kept me safe. Uh, It was positioning myself. And there was lots of ways to do that. And, you know, you've heard me be frustrated about it right now because the flip side of that is that, not having a lot of money creates a lot of limitations. So instead of just being able to run out and go buy what I need, maybe it's taken me five years to save up the money to do that, you know, for that particular thing. So there's a lot of things I can't do because I don't have money. But there's also a dramatically less amount of anxiety and stress because I don't need a lot of money. And so, you know, I've been negotiating that for a while and I I don't have the right answer and I don't think there's a perfect answer. What I do think is that the power of having these experiences, you know, so I've kind of blazed this path 
before everybody else. And, you know, one of the things that I was most surprised about in these processes was, you know, after being a social worker and a therapist, how wildly unsatisfying trying to help people is and how really satisfying it is to like build something and having a completed project that I've used my hands and I can see it and there's there's a resolution there's an end I have a product to look at I mean how much joy I would have in actually making something versus kind of the abstraction of conversation and you never knew you know whatever happened to that person did they get better did they change are they still you know an addict did they commit suicide right and so that was never very rewarding or satisfying because one you know most people don't change and two you never knew what happened and so there was no real joy or sense of accomplishment you just sort of felt like you went into work and put out fires and disappointed everybody. It was never enough uh, and nothing good ever came out of it that you would see. And so it was a terrible process in terms of any kind that's reinforcing. And so there's just a lot of joy in the, for me in the making process. I love to make stuff because you just feel like there's a sense of completion. And so part of this idea of being, you know, wired for danger doesn't mean you can only do one thing, but, you know, I learned I'm terrible you know, I'm a terrible farmer. I'd be an okay rancher, but I get, you know, antsy. And I don't think anybody should have to do it alone. I think it's much better done in partnerships or three or four families. There's so much responsibility. It's, you know, 24-7, 365, especially if it's any kind of dairy situation, ugh, twice a day. So I think that we're in a moment where we need to relook at a lot of these things. And so one of the thoughts I had I wanted to pass on to you uh, you know, as I'm sitting around thinking, where am I going to go? I don't know that I want to go back on a farm or a ranch. I'm kind of feeling done with that. But it occurred to me that the last thing I would want to do is put money into a rental that's owned by a black uh, Vanguard or BlackRock or something like that versus putting money into a family or a business that to me uh, represented what I wanted to invest in. And it was such a shift in my mentality about not just paying rent so I have a place to stay, but what about, you know, looking at where we can be and invest in ideas and people and systems we believe in. Are they making something? Are they producing something? Are they part of this protective class? Are they part of the positive parasitic versus the negative parasitic, right? I mean, you need a certain amount of management and administration. But what happens is when, you know, the par- the makers, producers, and protectors check out The parasitic class takes over, and the primary purpose of the protector class is to keep the parasite class in check. And so, you know, as I've tried to envision, you know, how these things might be able to move forward, how could we establish trade networks or cash and trade or barter systems? And, you know, one of the big things that I believed in, and I've been saying this forever, uh, is the protector class, you know, getting out among the producers and the makers, uh, you know, whether they're being part-time helpful, whether they're 
protecting the animals or protecting the properties or protecting the transportation process or, you know, protecting the employees while they're working because it isn't a big deal now, but we've all seen those apocalypse movies, right? It's going to be a big deal if things break down. Now, the danger is that the protectors then become the tyrants and the parasites. And that's where you get into personal values of integrity and honor and responsibility and dignity and, you know, all the things that don't pay and that are choices we make when nobody's looking. But what they aren't is anything that people need to pat you on the back about. And so, you know, we're moving into a period of time where we get to choose or we will be chosen for. And I think what's most important about this is it's not, oh, you can do this and everything will be okay. And in fact, the first, the the forerunners, right, the people who initiate this are probably going to end up in jail or they're going to be ripped off or they're going to be betrayed because it's a cultural shift that's beginning to happen. And we have to decide which version of an economy, which version of an energy exchange, which version of a world we want to move ourselves into. But what I really liked was the simplicity of, you know, making, producing, protecting, or, you know, parasites, living off the work of those who are doing those other three things. And, you know, I don't like that as a negative word, but I think it's important to have it kind of as a negative word right now because left unchecked, parasites always kill the host. And we are at that moment. The medical system is killing the body and the mind. Uh, you know, the the corporate system is killing Anybody who tries to produce food, uh, the regulation system is killing anybody that tries to make anything, right, that's not from China. So it's so important to be a leader in this capacity right now. Uh, And, you know, I just fully believe anybody can lead, you know, and if you lead with integrity, that's everything. But particularly this whole Wired for Danger group of us, we're good at getting the ball started. We're good at going first, but we're usually pretty terrible about managing it. So I think, you know, one of the more important aspects of this conversation is being pretty self-observant about what each of us has as our limitations. You know, mine are... uh, as you know, you know, our administration, self-promotion, things like that, you know, we're, as you know, it's just, none of us are perfect. And so we, there's this moving past, uh, one person can do everything, uh, and coming back to working together, which is the way communities always operated. I, I loved hearing the stories, you know, about the old timers in these small towns. And, it was fascinating how the businesses popped up and closed, 
you know, quickly in relationship to what the need was. But, you know, people who had chickens brought in extra eggs and people who had cows brought in milk and cream. And there was just this interplay of people because it was not highly regulated and incredibly controlled. Uh, and there wasn't, you know, a need to protect the way that there was. But it was also ridiculously hard work. I uh, There was one family that uh, they it would they would bring firewood into you know the the town that was sixty miles away. It was three days in and three days out, six travel days to deliver one wagon load of firewood. I mean, we have come so far in terms of things being easy and pretty effortless to to build businesses, and because it became fast and easy. Uh, we also got, I think, very greedy and we stopped looking at the bigger picture and uh, how we are have been kind of in a scorched earth policy about the goal being making the money uh, and regardless of the effects that it was having. And, you know, a lot of those effects take place out of the country. I think all of us uh, don't want to know the truth about what goes on with the phone, you know, in terms of the mining or the strip mining in all these countries of the of the rare minerals, of the slave factories, of the toxic waste by having to have a new phone every 15 minutes, of the electromagnetic frequency, you know, decimating all of us. And, you know, it just goes on. And the attention span being gone, the children's brains being rewired. I mean, there's nothing, almost nothing good about these damn phones. And yet, how many people would let go of their cell phone, right? I mean, they'd rather cut off their arm than not have a cell phone. And, you know, we've created a culture and a society that says you pretty much can't have one, which has been devastating, you know, especially for older people who don't understand the technology and can't manage it, even though the demand is that, you know, their benefits and services and money and all those things come must come through their phone. And so... We've gotten so far away from values and we've gotten so focused on uh, technology and making money and convenience at the cost of anything and anyone. You know, that's, that is an unsustainable path forward. And so I like the idea of thinking about how I want to live regardless of things falling apart or not. And how can I, as a wire for danger person, move forward in a positive way that doesn't include me being used to be an enforcer for the parasite class in a way that would just decimate my uh, self-respect, my integrity, if I really kind of sat down and thought about it all the way through? And most of us, if we looked at our professions, we have to really have a hard reality come to, you know, whatever moment about what we do and the costs of what we are doing versus just this idea that we need to pay the bills. And so you can't really, it's very difficult to have that conversation. You know, I had the luxury of having that and examining those things because I only had me, you know, and an animal or two to take care of. Uh, It's very different when you have a family to support and children to support and parents to support. You know, I mean, there's 
I had the luxury of stepping away and experimenting with all these things. And I do not question that for a moment. But most people have not had that freedom to experiment and fail and start over. Now, right now, I wish I had not gone so far down the rabbit hole. But I'm also, you know, it's by going down this rabbit hole that it's allowed me to kind of reevaluate and look with a different eye uh, ahead of other people losing everything. And, you know, my takeaway when I was thinking about all these things is that it's made me a better human. And it's gotten me closer to what I call the road to home, the road to God and out of hell. Those are the two most important things that I value in this world. It's not money. It's not comfort. It's not convenience. It's not success. Now, those things make my life, would make my life easier in some ways. But, you know, we all have to to, to move forward in a way that, you know, we're going to get the message and we're going to learn the lesson. And I think, you know, for myself, if I'd had a lot of success at any point, you know, along the way, I would have gotten like so many stuck there, which is what happens, you know, to people who are uh, artists or musicians or, you know, filmmakers is wherever you get successful, people want to keep you there because that's what they like. Uh, You know, the freedom to create is much greater when nobody cares what you're doing, because you don't, you're not making a living at it. So you have the freedom to experiment. And I think that's true for our soul and our spirit and our emotions and our mental work is that when we don't have, uh, you know, when we're dependent in on the system to take care of our dependence, uh, we get stuck. And that's just real. And I don't think we can gloss over that too lightly. But you know, if we start to lose everything, then at some point you've got nothing left to lose. And so I wanted to leave this on a positive. And so for me, the real positive has been seeing people who are producers, living with people who are producers, watching people make things, uh, you know, understanding the protector class as a positive and a negative. Uh, And the most powerful thing, you know, all of this loss and losing and struggle and blah, 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 crazy experiences, you know, all over the place, you know, the greatest takeaway for me has been that I just fully believe it's made me a better human. And it's also made my spiritual work, it's, it's moved me much further down the path than had I been, you know, stuck in the same place for 30 years, you know, being successful financially, but not having that much to show for it, for what was valuable to me. And I, you know, I cannot dismiss the fact that I, because I don't have children and I don't have responsibilities that most people have, it's been a luxury for me to move down that path because I wasn't hurting anybody else. So I'm not advocating anybody abandon anyone or anything to do this kind of uh, process. But my takeaway as we're all getting closer to having to reevaluate who we want to be in the world is that if you can reduce it to a very simple question, am I pushing up or am I pushing down? And it's only, you know, through the quality of our character that we care about the answer to that question, but it's so simple. 
And we can take this moment in time to really reevaluate who we want to be and how we want to be in the world and start thinking about building, even in just a tiny little way, you know, some parallel economy, some parallel path forward, uh, some network that we can start to navigate because, you know, the future is most likely going to include, uh, you know, either go along and get permission or you're denied because you're holding to your principles. And, you know, I already know what I will choose, but I think for me, it's fun. You know, it's for me, for me, it's fun to think about how to, you know, beat the system and go around the back door. But not everybody feels that way. So for those of us who are wired for danger, this is an incredibly unique and powerful moment in the transition uh, that we as civilization are being asked to make. But our role will be defined. Are we trying to push down? Or are we trying to lift up? Uh, humanity and the world and people and animals and the the soil and the elements you know are we trying to get ahead at any cost or are we willing to reevaluate how we do things so that everybody wins i mean not 100% but you know what i mean for the most part it's an uplifting win 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 for everybody involved and that is totally possible uh you know it just depends on what is the value. Is it making money? Is it being powerful? Is it having control? Is it status? Is it fame? Those are all externally driven uh, characteristics and values. Or is it feeling good that you're honorable and you have integrity and you have self-respect uh, and you believe in what you're doing and you value what you're doing? But you may not be rich because I think this these moment in time, uh, you know, as money's going to get questioning and uncomfortable and different, uh, we're still going to need basic things, but we're going to have to make these decisions. And, you know, like I said, my takeaway is all my decisions, I think, have made me a better human. And I think they have moved me further down the road home, which is what I believe the most important journey is. Not to be in or of the world, but to be able to let it go. So with that, we're going to take a deep breath. And I, my friends, will hopefully see you next time.